Welcome to the Wholehearted Eating Podcast, where non-diet nutrition, weight-inclusive care, and integrative health collide. We're your hosts, Dana Montes and Christina Hoyt, licensed integrative clinical nutritionists and body image coaches. And we believe you deserve to have a joyful relationship with food in your body, even if you have a chronic health condition or symptoms that just won't quit. On this show, together and with our guests, we're bringing the real talk, no BS5, with tangible tools to help you pursue health and wellness without obsession or restriction. Remember our disclaimer, this podcast is meant for general information purposes only and should not be taken as a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Hey friends, welcome back to the Wholehearted Eating Podcast. It's Christina here today, and as some of you may have known, like may know if you've been listening for a bit, I just had my second baby, and uh, the postpartum period is such a gentle and exciting and exhausting time, and I really wanted to bring on someone who could talk about this period more, provide resources, discuss this, because I'm really passionate about taking care of yourself when you're in the postpartum period, and it can be really challenging to do that. So today on this week's episode, I'm chatting with Brooke Miller. I'm bringing her back about how to care for yourself during the postpartum period, what challenges come up for parents that makes nourishing ourselves so difficult, and also too diving into those toxic narratives that can truly sabotage your postpartum period. Uh, no thanks to diet culture and thanks parenting culture. There's so much pressure on new parents or parents of multiples to quote unquote get your body back and all these different types of things that really deplete you. And so today, Brooke and I are diving into that and providing you with some practical resources for why it's important for you to nourish yourself, how to do that, and how to prioritize yourself. I'm super excited. So let's dive in. Brooke was also kind enough to offer access with a code for you guys for her course called Nourished After Baby. And this is really if you're looking, if you're expecting or you're prepping for a baby or you're in your postpartum period, Brooke has this awesome course where it's really talking about how to support yourself nutritionally during such an important time. And also too talking about postpartum body body image, how to navigate that, and how to do all of this with a non-diet approach. Uh, please use the code wholehearted30 for $30 off at checkout. Everything's going to be in the show notes, the link to the course, the code, all of the things, but I'm super excited. I'm in the course. It's awesome. It's so informative and there's so many great recipes and ideas and ways to navigate. And so I hope you enjoy and check it out. We have Brooke back on today. I'm really excited to have you back on. Last time we spoke, we talked about pregnancy and body image and all of the things around that. And then today, we're going to talk to you about postpartum nutrition and how to take care of yourself in that postpartum period. I know that's like your major wheelhouse here. Mm -hmm. And I'm really excited to have you back on. And when this airs, we're both going to be postpartum. So hopefully, we take something from our own recording and can apply it ourselves. I know. It's so wild to think that in July, like we're both going to have new babies and it's just going to be a wild ride. Yeah, I'm so excited. I know. I know. To start off, actually, thinking about like in retrospect, looking back, is there anything that you learned or that you like are taking away from your first time 
that you're like, oh my God, I'm not going to do that to my <laughs> to myself again in the second go around now that you're having your second child? Or is there anything that you feel like you did that you definitely want to make sure you do again and you're going to prioritize it? Yeah, both. Um, so I think when my first postpartum experience, there were a lot of things out of my control that were really stressful and really like anxiety ridden. So for instance, you know, I had a preemie baby who was on oxygen. We had open heart surgery. I was exclusively pumping. Like there were a lot of things out of my control at that point. And I do feel like in the sense of my nutrition, I did a really good job taking care of myself. I was eating like every two to three hours very consistently. I was taking my vitamins. I um, I don't think I had any major deficiencies. I was really, really um, prioritizing nutrition and hydration in the postpartum period. So in that sense, I did a really good job. And then even in the movement sense, like get, getting back into exercise, for me, I found a really beautiful balance. Like we did a ton of walks outside on maternity leave. And I just found that walking really helped my mental health. It helped my stress. It helped my anxiety. Um, my son like loved the stroller. He loved to nap in the stroller. And so um, for us, that was like a really nice way to get back into movement. And something else that I actually started in pregnancy, um, I they told me I couldn't exercise anymore just because my placenta wasn't functioning with him. Um, and so they told me I could do just stretching and walking and that was it. And so I had to really go from being kind of like an athlete that I grew up being, um, to being more like very low key, very, um, much into the like low intensity yoga and stretching. And I actually found that that was really enjoyable for me. So that's actually something that I've been doing over the last three years since having him was I haven't really gotten back into like intense yoga or really difficult yoga practices anymore. I just found that it wasn't enjoyable for me anymore too. So I think I really, um, had a really healthy relationship with exercise and nutrition after that postpartum period. But what I will say that I'm not going to do again is I really struggled with some mental health um, and postpartum anxiety after having him. And I waited too long to go to therapy. I wasn't communicating well with my husband. I was trying to do everything on my own. I wasn't asking for specific help. He didn't know that I was struggling and he didn't know how to help me. And so it kind of blew up one night. Uh, I just like had a complete meltdown and panic attack and cried. And um, he had no idea that I was struggling so much. And so I know next time, and we've already talked about it, this pregnancy of like, he even told me last week, hey, if you need help, <laughs> you need to let me know. Like you need to have this open communication with me because I don't want things to blow up the way that they blew up last time. So in that sense, <laughs> I will definitely be asking for help and getting in more self-care and um, just having like open lines of communication with those around me and delegating. Um, and I think that's something that's really hard for moms to do in this postpartum period. And truly it it does, you know, our mental health does impact our physical health. So it's called, it's all kind of intertwined. Oh my gosh, so much so. And I, <laughs> I agree. I think, um, I don't know if I, I don't know if I've shared on the podcast actually this, but now people are hearing about it. Um, but, but I definitely had postpartum anxiety after I had Elodie that honestly, I never realized I had mm. until after the fog lifted. Yeah. And it was a conversation that I had with Casey where one day he turned to me and he goes, Oh wow, you're back. Yeah. 
And, and that's what he said. He goes, I haven't heard you make a joke like that in a long time. Like, and I said to him, I go, well, why didn't you say anything? He goes, I didn't know what was going on either. Like, I didn't realize it. He goes, but now like we both looked back in retrospect and looked back and said, oh my gosh, you know, like this was definitely happening. Like, um, him not realizing what like the signs were for anxiety and like I would have a panic attack or something or things would happen. And, um, and all of mine was all like in, from an eating disorder perspective, it was super triggering, but I thankfully didn't take it out on, on my body. I took it out on, you know, the way that I tracked things. Like I was definitely control behave, like control, controlling all the tracking stuff, but mainly for Elodie, like mm-hmm. how often were we feeding? Yes. How long was she sleeping? What was she doing? Were we keeping to our schedule? And if anything deviated, it was just like DEFCON, <laughs> DEFCON 5 for me. So that's definitely something that I can completely relate to. And then even in this pregnancy, I have had, um, I think they call it perinatal postpartum or perinatal postpartum or whatever they call it now that includes during pregnancy. And I've had some depression and anxiety Mm -hmm. that Casey noticed. Mm -hmm. And I sat down with him and he said, you're not you. Something's going on. And I already, we already have a plan for what we're going to do postpartum, how we're going to handle it, how we're going to manage it. Make sure that he knows what signs that I'm getting the support that I need. Acupuncture has been huge, mm-hmm. <laughs> huge yeah. and really helpful and supportive in a lot of ways. So I think that's such a good point. I think people don't talk about it enough. And I think also, too, there's like this level of, well, she's just, they're just being a mom. Yeah. You know, like, oh, new moms are kind of like intense about everything and worried about a lot of stuff. But there's definitely a line where it crosses over and it takes over in a lot of ways. And I think... It's so important to talk about. And I love that you have that lesson. I definitely have that one, <laughs> that one myself. I think it's just such yeah. a common lesson. And I think moms just have such a hard time asking for help. And um, I remember even my OB saying, like, your spouse is going to be the one to probably notice if you're um, struggling with postpartum anxiety or depression. So if they say something to you, listen, ask their opinion, ask for help, like ask ask them throughout that first year postpartum how you're doing um, from their perspective. And I thought that was a really powerful thing to ask. And something I realized too, when I was putting together my Nourished After Baby course and doing like diving into heavy research with nutrition and postpartum depression was postpartum depression, you know, it can develop in that first year postpartum. And I think a lot of women think, oh, I'm, you know, I'm a few months postpartum. I don't have postpartum depression. I'm out of the woods. And we have to keep in mind that postpartum depression can develop in that first year postpartum. And not only that, but being deficient in very specific nutrients can actually make the symptoms worse. So a lot of people just get prescribed medication and therapy, which is great. We need those things. But on top of that, we can also be asking our providers, hey, can you check my vitamin D levels? Because you might need to also get on some heavy vitamin D. You might also need to get on some extra iron. Um, so there are some you know, vitamins and minerals that we might have to add in to our diet on top of the medication and therapy that we're doing. And then of course, there's things like massage, acupuncture, like other things that we can add in as well. But um, just know, like if you are in the postpartum period, if you're in the first year postpartum or if you're pregnant, just know that these symptoms can come up in that first year. It's not just like the first eight weeks. 100%. And also too, it's not even just vitamin D and iron too, but asking, can you run my thyroid? Yes. Can you take a look at what's going on here? Something's up and just making sure that you're getting all the support you need 
from a nutritional standpoint, from a mental health standpoint, having a provider, getting therapy, maybe it's medication, all the different things. So you're kind of hitting it from all avenues to really support your system. And I remember that was something that, um, yeah, like that I had said to Casey, I was like, I, this time too, in retrospect, I'm really going to make sure that we have things available for me, like food for me that's here, that's ready available. And I've already prepped that I can just heat up real quick when I'm in between something and I don't have a lot of time, but I know it's going to provide me with what I need. And I tend towards like all the things I tend towards low iron, I tend towards uh, thyroid stuff. So it's like, it's like a perfect little storm. So I know that I have to take it and say, Nope, I need to support all these things in order for that to be well. And and for me to feel my best. And I think that's probably one of the biggest things that I took from that, from that first pregnancy too. And I didn't know at the time, you don't know what you don't know. Mm-hmm. You don't know so. what you don't know. That's for sure. <laughs> and we will learn, I'm sure, a whole host of new things postpartum this time. Yes. So what would you say are, speaking of some of this, these are big challenges, but what would you say are some of the biggest challenges you see moms face in that medium postpartum phase? Yeah. So I think um, the biggest challenge I see moms with in the first uh, few months postpartum is they're not eating enough. And a lot of times it's, Sometimes it's a lack of planning, like at the end of their pregnancy. Sometimes it's a lack of not talking to their spouse and saying like, hey, I need this from you. Sometimes friends and family offer like, how can we help? And really like not asking for food (laughs) is is a thing. So, you know, if you have friends and family asking how they can help you, if you have in-laws or parents staying with you, if your spouse um, is asking for ways to help seriously ask for food. Like that's the number one priority at this point. Um, because that first, especially month postpartum, rather, whether you're breastfeeding or not, your body is depleted of nutrients. Your body just went through labor. Um, it could have gone through a trauma, could have gone through, um, a C-section, you know, so your body is healing and it's in a recovery phase. And we know from like a clinical nutrition standpoint that we need more protein and we need more calories, especially in the first few months postpartum. So, um, just from a nutrition standpoint, I think that's one of the biggest mistakes I see moms making is they're not even remotely close to hitting their calorie and protein needs in the immediate postpartum phase. And your nutrition doesn't have to look perfect in this phase. So there's a lot of times where we might lean on more convenient foods or more fast foods, and that's actually okay. There's a lot of ways where we can go to Chick-fil-A or Qdoba or Chipotle and get a really balanced meal and get nutrient-dense things in there um, and get foods that are nourishing and satisfying and filling. And so your nutrition doesn't have to look perfect, but I think the biggest mistake I see moms making is going too long without eating um, and then not communicating that that's what they need because a lot of moms just don't understand how depleted and how deficient they could be in this period. And so that's um, something that moms really need to understand. Um, And when they're when they're not depleted, they're going to just feel better. They're going to show up. They're going to have more energy. They're not going to experience like the hair loss and some of these, you know, side effects postpartum that we don't necessarily want to experience. So yeah, I think that's one of the biggest things, um, especially in the first few months postpartum I'm seeing so often is a lot of times it's unintentional. Of course, there's some moms where it is intentional. They're trying to diet like six weeks after baby's born. But I would say most, a majority of the cases, it's maybe a little mix of both, but a lot of times they just feel so like this lack of energy and they feel like they don't have the time to, to nourish their bodies well. So there's definitely a mix of intentional versus unintentional. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
to that like same vein too i've heard before from from moms that i've worked with and and just in general about feeling kind of like high maintenance for asking yeah. for support and asking for help and like where do you think that comes from for a lot of people i think it it kind of comes from you know it comes from society because society just expects that we're super moms and we do everything and we're like the primary parents and we, you know, work and we do, we're supposed to be responsible for all of these things. But I think a lot of us also grew up in, um, like the the generation above us, our parents, I think a lot of our parents kind of taught us that, you know, you have to be hardworking. I grew up in the Midwest, so I, I don't know how it is across the United States, but in the Midwest, um, my parents were very much, and they still have this mindset of like, in order to succeed in life, you have to work hard. And even if you work hard, like life still not might not be great. Like they just have this very like intense mindset about like hard work and work ethic. And I didn't see my parents asking for help because they thought that asking for help meant that you were lazy, right? So like that's a lot of how I would say a lot of us grew up in that mindset. Um, I think our generation is kind of changing things, just saying, you know, I'm struggling, I need help, um, and having that open dialogue. But I think a lot of us grew up seeing our parents where they weren't communicating in their marriage the help that they needed, or just communicating with other people, or they saw asking for help as a sign of weakness. And that is something I for sure grew up with. So this was a hump that was really difficult for me to overcome. But now that I've been kind of at rock bottom with it. Um, it's been a conversation that my husband and I are openly like, no, we need to have this communication in our marriage. We need to both ask for help in ways that we need it. Um, otherwise, it's going to hurt our marriage. It's going to hurt how we show up as parents. It's going to hurt how we show up at work. It's going to hurt a lot of things in our life. And um, so, yeah, I think it's a mix of society and probably a mix of how we were raised. Um but I would love to hear if there's anything else <laughs> that you've oh kind God. of experienced I mean, with that. I mean, yes. <laughs> I mean, all, yes to all of the above. And then also, too, I think there is this level of you can't struggle as a new mom. Yeah. Too. Like there's like yeah. this idea that if you're especially when I think when it comes to admitting that you might be having postpartum anxiety or postpartum depression, that like that's something that you shouldn't be having and that everything should be easy. Like it's like um like things are easy or like, you know, it's just, it's natural. You're going to naturally be able to do this. It's like, well, maybe it's not natural for me and I'm actually struggling and I need support. And I think that can be really hard. And like even admitting if everyone around you is saying like, oh, you're, you're a natural or this will naturally come for you. You'll naturally be able to breastfeed and (laughs) everything will naturally work. And it's like, my body's not freaking working naturally. (laughs) And that can be part of it too. And then it makes it even more difficult to go and ask for help and ask for support because then you feel like, well, no one else has this problem. So it must be me and there's something wrong with me and I'm not good enough. And then it, creates a whole shame spiral of all of the feelings going through everything for, for parents. And, um, and I find that to be really difficult. I even find it happening with men too, like them being scared of being able to talk and share and how they feel about stuff as well and feeling kind of overwhelmed or not knowing what to do and knowing how to support. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And it's really important. When I think the praise, like you said, I think the praise feels really good, but I remember getting that praise from even like 
um, we, we had my son in like a part-time in-home daycare for a while and she would always just say, Oh, you're just super mom. You're doing it all. And I'm like, I'm freaking stressed. I'm tired. I'm overwhelmed, you know? And, and even like my, my parents and my in-laws would be like, you're such a good mom. You're doing such a good job. You're handling all these things. And it was like, that's so great to hear, but I'm drowning, you know? And so it's like, it's like great to hear those compliments. But at the same time, a lot of times you feel a little guilty, like, I'm actually not super mom because I'm really struggling. And then, yeah, you sometimes feel more guilty asking for help from those people because they're the ones complimenting you, telling you what a good mom you are. And um, at the end of the day, it's just like none of us are going to be perfect parents and we none of us can do everything like the ball is going to drop in in a court (laughs) if we're trying to hold all the things, if we're trying to show up 100% at work, 100% in our marriage, 100% here in all these places, like there's only so much energy we can expend. And so, um, yeah, I think that's just such an important point for moms to to understand and really think about. And and we're all different. We can all ask ourselves, like, in what area of my life do I want to expend the most energy? In what area of my life do I want to show up as a parent in the best way? And what area of my life do I want to delegate out? <laughs> so yeah. my husband, for instance, he hates bath time. He, I don't know why he hates bath time. And he's like, I just don't want to do bath time. Can you do bath time every night? I'll read him a story. Like my husband, you know, does bedtime routine in terms of like reading him a story. And I'm like, yeah, sure. Of course. Like I don't mind bath time. And so there's different tasks in parenthood and just even in our household that I don't enjoy. And he, he has gladly taken those things on and then vice versa here. There's things he doesn't enjoy too. So yeah, I think just having that communication is so key and it really plays into our mental and physical health. Like I just can't, I think a lot of times people think your postpartum health is just your nutrition and exercise. And it's, it's so much bigger than that. Your mental health is such a big part of it. Yeah. And you're like getting any kind of rest, even if you can't sleep at night because the baby's up or what have you or Mm -hmm. anything like that, but being able to have some restorative time for yourself to recoup and try to get some kind of replenishment, I think is so important. Um, One of the things you mentioned earlier about something that you felt like you did really well, Mm -hmm. your first pregnancy was around really taking care of yourself and nourishing yourself Mm -hmm. from that perspective. I'd love for you to share a little bit about what you did that you felt like really helped and supported you mm-hmm. and how you brought kind of intention into doing that mm-hmm. to make sure that you had the support you needed from a nutritional level. Because mm-hmm. we know my depleted self is only going to get more depleted mm-hmm. <laughs> without having food energy because I say it all the time to everyone, energy begets energy. Mm-hmm. So if I'm not bringing it in, I'm definitely not putting it out. Yeah. So how did you kind of support yourself from an energy perspective? And what did you do beforehand that people might be able to, to either um, prep a little bit if they have the energy to prep mm-hmm. or ask support to prep? Or two, what did you do um, in the immediate for asking for help and how did you overcome that? Yeah, for sure. There was a lot of things. So I think um, something that I encourage inside my Nourish After Baby course is in your third trimester to start stocking up on freezer meals. So that's actually something we didn't do a whole lot with Ashton, but now we have a deep freezer and we have the space. So that is something that we're going to be doing here in the next few weeks is just starting to prep some freezer meals. Um, Luckily, we had friends and family reach out at the end of our pregnancy. I mean, they knew 
we knew we were going to have a NICU stay. We knew we were going to have heart surgery. So we, we kind of knew we were had, headed for like a rough, rocky road. And so um, my business partner, actually, Alyssa, she started a meal train for us. And so that way, friends and family and especially a lot of women um, and moms in my church, they dropped off food for us. And it was so sweet. So we had families in the Down syndrome community drop off food. And we had, um, yeah, a lot of, a lot of my friends from church and then just other friends. Um, so that first month was really taken care of in that aspect, um, where we were (laughs) being given food. And then the other thing was we had that communication, um, in our marriage and I'm very, very fortunate. I know a lot of moms don't have this, but my husband loves to cook. He is the primary cook in our family. And, because I was exclusively pumping and because he obviously couldn't hook up to a breast pump, um, I kind of told him, hey, I'm going to be doing a lot of this work um, that you can't necessarily do. Like he helped wash pump parts and all that, but we were very clear, hey, can you do some of the cooking and grocery shopping? So he fully took that on in the first year. I mean, fully took it on. He was like, I love to cook. I love to be in the kitchen. I love to get groceries. So I was just very open in in, in, hey, these are the snacks that I want. These are the snacks that we need. I communicated when we were running low on things. Um, I would help him meal plan in a sense of like, hey, this sounds good. Um, And I think a mindset shift that luckily I had made years ago when I became a certified lactation counselor was I knew the energy and the calorie amount that I needed. So like years and years ago, I knew how hungry I would be. um, And it didn't lie. Like my hunger was so intense. And so I had no judgment. So when I was extremely hungry and eating, I ate more than my husband at every meal. Um, I was eating snacks in between meals. I was eating a ton of food and I never felt guilt about it. I never felt shame about it. Um, I never felt embarrassed like being in public with the amount of food I was eating compared to other people. Um, and so I think that that that's a really tough mindset shift for women to have because I think a lot of times women think that their body's broken and they're like, why am I so hungry? What's wrong with me? Um, I'm trying to lose the baby weight. And like, there's a lot of conflicting things mentally that kind of stops them or blocks them. And we know that our thoughts and, and beliefs, they shift our behaviors. So because I had shifted my thoughts and beliefs to knowing my calorie needs are going to be a lot higher. I'm going to be really hungry. I'm going to be really thirsty. I need to make sure I always have snacks available in the pantry. I need to make sure I always have my water bottle with me. I need to tell my husband what types of foods we're making and when. We need to have that communication. Um, that alone like set us up for success in that aspect. And then, of course, I was on some really good quality supplements and vitamins too, which is something I would definitely recommend for moms, you know, prenatally and postpartum is still be on these good supplements because it can make a big difference if you're deficient in something. Yeah, absolutely. And what are, what are some of the, you like had so many little nuggets in there for things that people can do. And um, from a nutritional standpoint, what are some of the recommendations that you would have for someone who's starting to prep some of these things, but they're also in the intuitive eating and don't want to be too perfect mm-hmm. with their with their food, but also want to make sure that they're giving their body what they need. Mm -hmm. How do you marry those two things together and what's some advice you'd give them? Yeah. So I really believe in having a balanced nutrition approach. So something that I always look at when planning meals is I ask myself, is there a protein on my plate? Is there carbohydrates, especially with fiber? So like maybe multiple carbohydrates. And then um, is there fat on my plate? So whenever I'm 
deciding what kind of meal I'm going to make, if it's missing one of those ingredients, I just figure out a way how to add that in. Um, because if we're deficient, um, if we're not eating enough carbs, if we're not eating enough protein or we're not eating enough fat, our body is going to notice a difference. Like we're going to be depleted. We're not going to feel good. So that's just kind of where I start as my baseline. So when we're looking up recipes or we're trying new foods, um, if, if we have like a family favorite recipe, I'll just look at that recipe and say, does it have all three of these components? And if it's missing one of those, for instance, there's a vegetable lasagna recipe we love, um, but there's no meat in there. There's just not enough protein. And so we started adding meat and we kind of mix up what meat we add in. We started adding meat because we realize like this is actually a really satisfying meal and there's a ton of vegetables and fiber in there. Um, but I knew that my protein needs were higher pregnant and postpartum. So we started adding meat to that. So it's just about kind of adjusting recipes and then asking yourself like, what am I in the mood for? So for some clients, I recommend like a theme night. So maybe one night's Italian. So maybe one night it's pizza. Maybe the next week it's pasta. Um, and really you can make any type of meal balanced and you can make any type of meal delicious. And so I'm all about like full fat butter or full fat dairy products and real butter and like getting good quality foods on the table, but quality foods that taste good too. So just ask yourself like, what types of foods are we already gravitating towards? What types of meals do we already like? And then soup is something else that you can definitely make pretty easily and um, freeze. That works pretty well too. They actually make, um, there's a brand, I have not bought them yet, but my my um, business partner is obsessed with them. They're called Super Cubes. They work really well for um, freezing soup. So what you can do is like, you can freeze out soup into like bowl portion sizes. That way, if you want to have something simple for lunch or dinner that day, you can just pop like one cube out of the freezer, but the cube itself is a big cube. It's like enough for a serving of soup. So you could do even something like that, but I wish I knew about this last week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I had never heard of those before. That's really cool. I know. Yeah. Super Google cubes. the brand. <laughs> well, I'll do Google and I'll add it to the show notes for everybody. So that's awesome around making sure that you're getting your nutritional needs met. And, you know, me and Dana are really big into talking about intentional eating mm-hmm. and marrying our our nutritional needs so that we feel well Mm -hmm. with our desires and things like that. Mm -hmm. How do you, what if someone's like, I'm not in the mood for all of this. And like, I really just want yummy, like things that are really nostalgic and, Mm -hmm. and all the different things, but they have a lot of shame around that. What kind of advice would you give your, your, your people? Yeah. I mean, I think just really pulling back the curtain and just letting moms know at your first priority is just getting food in you like at the end of the day. And I know for both of us, we, I mean, you suffered from morning sickness longer than I did, but (laughs) especially in pregnancy, it was like, we had so many food aversions and so much nausea. And I just remember there were days at a time where I was just eating just cereal and bagels and that was it. And I just remember telling myself like, it's better to have something in my body than nothing in my body. And so that's a really good affirmation or mantra to have is, as long as you're nourishing your body with something, it's always better than nothing. So first priority is just getting your basic calorie needs met. And then it kind of depends on where you're at. Um, Again, there is, you know, medical nutrition therapy where if you know that you have a deficiency that's very specific, taking a supplement can help. Um, And so of course, trying to get some of those foods in that are high in that vitamin or mineral can be helpful as well too. Um, But sometimes that just means 
hey, I know I'm really low in iron. I just need, I know I need to be on an iron supplement every day. And that's just kind of a non-negotiable. Um, and then if you're in the mood for some high iron foods, awesome. If you're not, that supplement should at least help kind of fill in that gap. Um, but removing guilt and shame from foods, I mean, it's definitely a process. Something that I've worked with so many clients on is just really shifting our thoughts um, from a thought of judgment to curiosity. So just saying, I'm going to take every eating experience as a learning experience. So we look at, you know, this food experience and let's say you choose an option that's not necessarily balanced or an option that normally would give you guilt or shame. You, you know, eat that meal and then afterwards ask yourself, how did that feel? Like, was that satisfying? How did my body respond to that? Um, is that something I want to do again? Yes or no? And a lot of times the answer is, yeah, you know, I, I felt satisfied. My body didn't necessarily feel great, but that was really enjoyable. And so that's not a negative experience. Um, and so a lot of times we feel like a failure looking at our food experiences, like, oh, I didn't eat perfectly. And we just have to shift our thinking and say like, no, that was just an experience. And what can I take away from that experience? Because I think we can take something away from every single eating experience um, and just kind of look at it as like always an experiment. Like we're just learning something new about our body and how our body responds. And something else is like our body responds very differently in different seasons of life. So just because your body responded to specific foods pre-pregnancy, your body might respond very differently in the postpartum period. And so just really having a lens of curiosity and saying like, I'm just going to get super curious about how my body responds to different things. And then I can continue making decisions moving forward that honors my health, but also honors my happiness too. Yeah, I think that's really great. And I like always meeting with curiosity. And I like the idea of thinking about your meals as kind of like an experiment Mm-hmm. And an opportunity for you to just kind of learn a little bit more, especially when you're new to this, yeah, right? And you're sure. trying to navigate the um, flexibility and the intuitive eating and you're taking away some old rigid rules. And I think mm-hmm. sometimes, too, one of the things that I think parents should be thinking about as well is thinking about, am I channeling a lot of energy into perfectionism around my food mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. now? And what is that might be telling me about what's going on internally for me, for yes. my mental and emotional health? Mm-hmm. And am I being too perfect or trying to be too perfect about my nutrition? Or yeah. I've said to people before, now's not the time. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't typically think this, you know, in general, like with, <laughs> excuse me, I don't think it's ever the time, right. but I especially don't think it's a time when you're postpartum to go on some kind of crazy weight loss diet oh gosh, or no. to think that you're going to have to do some kind of food overhaul, you got enough going on. Yep. Like even if you have the desire for that, and I understand, I don't shame people for why having the desire to yep. lose weight. We live in a really diet obsessed culture, mm-hmm. weight centric culture. There is so much pressure on, on parents to lose weight postpartum. Mm-hmm. So I don't shame anyone for the desire, it, desire to have that outcome, but I will say now's not the time, (laughs) you know, you have enough going on your plate. Like the last thing we need to do is add in something else like that. Mm -hmm. And I think creating that flexibility and being able to be honest with yourself of saying like, Hey, you know what? I need energy and Mm -hmm. Oreos have great energy Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I need them every now and again, just like how anyone needs anything, you know, the same way that I ate dates 
in my last trimester, like all the different <laughs> yes. things that we do, like you can be intentional. You can also be intentional around being flexible too mm-hmm. and bringing flexibility. And if you have a hard time being flexible, yeah. be intentional with flexibility mm-hmm. and bring that into your plate too and saying, am I being too perfectionistic right now mm-hmm. around what this could look like, what I need to do, and then challenge yourself in that way of saying, I need to relax a little bit. Mm-hmm. Maybe today's mac and cheese night. Yep. Yep, exactly. Oh my gosh, we do. You know, my son hates mac and cheese, which is so weird for a three-year-old, but we like love like mac and cheese and chicken nugget nights. You know, my, oh my husband gosh. still buys the dino nuggets, which my son does love. He He's a big fan of chicken nuggets. Oh my gosh, I love chicken nuggets. I actually make them for myself for like for the for um, lunch during the week. Yeah. Like, Elodie will be at school yeah. and I'll make chicken nuggets for myself and then I'll make like a chicken salad, like ranch, like Ooh, chicken yeah. ranch, like wrap type. Yum. Oh, it's so good. I'm like, who doesn't love a good chicken nugget? So convenient. It's easy. It's accessible. It's protein. It's all the things. Mm -hmm. So I think like when, and I know for myself, and this is speaking for me, I tend to be perfectionistic when it comes to food. That is my history. (laughs) I have a history with orthorexia and all the different things around that. So to me, I have to be really intentional about being flexible, especially when I'm feeling really triggered and I'm feeling that control type of like inkling coming in where like, oh, Mm -hmm. I need to control these things. I then have to then say, no, Mm -hmm. today is pasta night and we're going to get over it and it's not going to be perfect and maybe there won't be any fiber on this plate today Mm -hmm. and we're not going to mess with it (laughs) and we're just going to do it and I have to be, I have to plan to be flexible and challenge that belief. Otherwise Mm -hmm. it can really easily get channeled and, and I can get zero, zeroed in on, this is all I'm allowed to do. I can't deviate from this. And so sometimes you have to plan and push yourself (laughs) to be more flexible. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I've had so many clients in the past where I've said, like, I don't want you to eat perfect tonight. Like, like I, I don't want you to have a balanced meal for dinner tonight. And they're like, what? Like we've been working on like, you know, gentle nutrition and balancing my plate and all this stuff. And I'm like, yeah, no, tonight I want you to just like, what, like, what do you want? What are you craving? And it's like, don't eat balanced at all. Like, I don't care if there's fiber on your plate. I don't care if there's enough protein, just eat what you want. And then let me know how you feel. Like, you know, cause that's such a good experiment. And I love when clients come to me too and say, Brooke, I ate past fullness last night. I'm like, awesome. How did you feel? How did it impact your sleep? Like, what did you learn from it? And they're like, what do you mean? And I'm like, I eat past fullness. Like, I think a lot of people think that there's this journey and all of a sudden we hit this day and we never have a bad body image moment and we never (laughs) eat past fullness and we always like balance our plate perfectly. And it's like, that's literally unrealistic for every single person in this world, especially moms. Like, Let's just, we already have enough on our plate as moms, right? And so putting that expectation on any person is already so unrealistic, but then putting it on a new mom, it's like, we're just setting yourself up for failure if that's your expectation. So I think adjusting our expectations is so important, like you said, exactly. Oh my gosh, it's so true. And I think this kind of leads well into like a good, a good conversation around toxic narratives. Mm -hmm. Like, there are so many toxic narratives out there that can really ruin a new parent's relationship with food yeah. or trigger a previous relationship with food mm-hmm. and really make it come alive and flourish in a wild way. Yeah. What do you think is one of the most toxic narratives around that that can really impact 
new parents or even parents who are seasoned, honestly, when you're in the weeds with a couple kids. Yeah, I think um, I think just trying to be trying to show up as the perfect parent. I think social media can like paint parenthood as one of two ways, right? Like I, there's some accounts that are just show the negatives of motherhood and like how hard it is. But then there's also some accounts that you're like, how is your house so clean? How, how do you have like these perfectly curated meals on the table? And like, there's people out there kind of showing like both extremes of the spectrum. And I think so many of us just lie somewhere in the middle where like our house isn't very clean all the time. Um, but it's somewhat picked up, right? And like food's on the table, but it doesn't look pretty. Um, and so I think there is toxicity just from a parenting standpoint of like how we're supposed to show up as moms. And then also, of course, like the big narrative that I care the most about is probably like the postpartum body image narrative where, you know, just balance back nine months in, nine months out, like six weeks postpartum, you have to start working out and it has to look this way. And um, I think it's just like this such such an unrealistic narrative that your body's supposed to bounce back, your body's supposed to change after you have a baby, um, and that we are supposed to just look a certain way being moms, especially depending on like where we are in the postpartum journey. So I think there are so many unhealthy narratives from society being fed to us. So oh we my can gosh. dive into any of them. <laughs> There's too many. There totally is. In fact, actually earlier I was scrolling through Pinterest before this morning, before <laughs> before our our chat and I came across this thing. So Pinterest now somehow knows that I'm pregnant. Oh yeah. They and <laughs> I'm getting all these new mom things and like, here's like, here's the do's and don'ts of a nursery and like uh-huh. all these different things, which now a little bit more seasoned. I'm kind of like, all right, heavy eye roll. But then there was this right. one that I just, I had to share. Oh gosh. So it was 23 ways to be more productive as a mom. And it was wake up before your kids, make your bed, get dressed Go phone free for the first two hours of the day. Read while you brush your teeth. What? (laughs) Yes. I'm like, what? And so I'm reading some of these things and I'm kind of like, this is the problem. Yeah. What? You are the problem. All of that. (laughs) Like, how am I supposed to do? Like, sometimes it's like, no, I, I bless the day that my, (laughs) that, that Elodie sleeps in a little bit and I get to sleep in right along with her. I love Amen. that she wakes me up in the morning. <laughs> she wakes me up in the morning. Same. And yeah. she and she comes in pittering into our room and says, Good morning, Mom. I'm like, oh, All right, here it. we go. And so to me, it's like these types of it's like perfect like what you're talking about, these like curated Instagram accounts and these ideas, and then people see this this type of stuff in their feed of like how to be more productive. Being productive yeah. is showing up. Right. It's showing up. Exactly. And it's showing up messy a lot of the times. Yeah. And being honest. And I think too, like, especially if you want to stop perpetuating the same narrative for future generations, we have to stop acting as if we're perfect and we're getting everything done and we can do everything on our own and we don't need any help. Right. And um, that we have it all together. Mm -hmm. I mean, I want Elodie to see me fall apart part sometimes yeah and I can tell her yeah mommy's having a hard day today yeah you ever had a hard day right (laughs) you know right and being able to share that I think you're 100% right about um about body image and that bouncing back idea and I think also too there's just so much toxic pressure Mm -hmm. on I think parents and especially on the individuals who carry the child to be able to a do everything on your own, never ask for help, have no mental can't you can't struggle, and to make it look 
effortless and easy and have well-behaved, quote-unquote, well-behaved kids at the end of the road in a perfectly curated home. And I just think all of those things lead to such negative relationships with your body, with your spouse, you know, your partner, whoever you're with, your food, your body, the way that you interact with things. And also talk about like a perfect breeding ground for so much anxiety and stress that you put on yourself. And then you take that and you undernourishing ourselves because we're trying to lose weight. And that just digs the hole even deeper every time. So for everyone listening, as we're wrapping up here, um, what would be like your what do you want people to leave with today? Mm, that's a good question. I think, you know, I think the biggest thing that we talked about is, you know, your mental health matters. Your mental health is just as important as your physical health. And asking for help does not make you lazy. It does not make you a worse of a mom. And showing up messy is is great. Like showing up messy and, and not perfect, it's actually going to teach our kids so much more than trying to show up as the perfect parent. So I think just be real, be honest with what you're struggling with. And there's going to be parts in motherhood where you thrive in, right? Like there's going to be parts of motherhood that are really easy for you that are hard for other people. But then there's going to be parts of motherhood that you feel, why this seems so easy for everybody else. Why am I struggling? And just taking away that shame and taking away that guilt and just knowing that, we can't be perfect in every aspect of our life. And yeah, I think that's, I think that's it is just to trying to remove that perfectionism and shift our mindset and our beliefs and our expectations for ourselves, but also our expectations for our spouses, <laughs> our expectations for <laughs> our children. Um, and just kind of like removing a lot of those expectations and just kind of diving in with motherhood and saying like, all right, we're going to see how things go and we're going to assess and make adjustments along the way. And it's going to be messy. <laughs> Just have the expectation things are going to be very messy. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Brooke, for coming on. Can you share with everybody where they can find you? You mentioned your course in there. Um, so I'd love to hear a little bit more about that. Yeah. And all the things. Yeah, absolutely. So you can find me on Instagram at nutrition.for.mamas. And then I'm also the co-host of the Mama Well podcast. So you can subscribe and find us over there. I run that account with my dietitian best friend, Alyssa. Um, she's a picky eating specialist as well. Um, and so you can find us over there. And then, yes, I have a Nourished After Baby course. This is ideal for women to take it during pregnancy um, or in that first year postpartum. And it just it's really a balanced nutrition approach to how to succeed, how to prevent deficiencies, how to overcome and improve your energy levels. Um, and we talk about postpartum depression in there. There's trainings on body image as well. So it's definitely like an all-encompassing program for any moms in that postpartum period. Um, I've definitely had a lot of mamas take it in their third trimester and they're like, I feel so much more prepared this time than with my first pregnancy. So um, that's a great resource for you. And I can also send your um, listeners a coupon code as well. So I can oh, have you link fun. that um, in the description box for them. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Brooke, for coming on. I love a little gift for everybody. So that's yes. so sweet of you to offer. So thank you so much. And it does sound like that's exactly what everybody needs in their third trimester. Yes. You know, uh, a breakdown and all the different things and things that the way they can support themselves and and plan a little bit for the unplannable. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> so thank you so much. Yeah, thank you.
friends, it's Dana, and thanks for listening to the Wholehearted Eating Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please share it with your family and friends, subscribe so you don't miss an episode, and if you can, we would absolutely love it if you left a five-star rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts. This helps spread the word so more people can find the show and learn how to break out of diet culture, the body image spiral, and find a more peaceful relationship with food in their bodies with wholehearted eating. If you're interested in learning more about how you can work with me or Christina for one-on-one nutrition counseling or checking out our self-paced courses, head over to wholeheartedeating.com and we'll see you again here next week.